Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Well, good morning, guys. How's everyone doing? We're doing good? I like to do this just to see uh, how, how loud we are as a church or how quiet we are as a church. Don't worry, I'm, I'm from the UK. I'm very used to a quiet church. Um, it is so good to be with you guys this morning. I'm super excited. Um, we were here, for those that we did meet or didn't meet, we were here back in March um, with our team. And yeah, it's just such a privilege to be at Rehope. We loved our time here. We walked away last time feeling very inspired uh, by everything that God is doing here. And so it's a joy to be back. And I just want to say from the, from the get-go that I'm expectant for what God wants to do today. I really believe that God wants to uh, provoke something in us that God wants to challenge, God wants to inspire us to a greater mission. Because we've just been singing about, we just came in and, and, and the song was singing about the peace that lives within, right? I, I may be misquoting it slightly. And I believe this morning God wants to, wants to give us a revelation of what it looks like of what we carry and what it looks like to release that. Because who knows, God has placed so much inside of us, and I pray that we would get a revelation of what we carry so that we could learn to release it. Because this morning, we're going to be talking about a message and, and something that is burning on the heart of God right now in heaven. Anyone got any ideas what that could be? It could be many things. That's a bit of a trick question. But it, it's this, and it may throw you by surprise. It's evangelism. Because who knows that sometimes we hear that word and we like shudder a little bit or I don't like the word particularly. Thankfully, it's not a word that's in the Bible. It's not a word that's used. So we're going to debunk some things around it today. And I, I like to think sometimes we've, we've created this box in the church called evangelism. And it's just this, this thing that we do and we know we should do it. And at times we do it, but we don't really want to go near it. Some people like to go near it more than others, but most people want to keep quite a distance. Well, I pray this morning that God would take a sledgehammer to the box and would break it open and we get a revelation. Because when I look at Jesus' life, I don't see awkward conversations. I don't see Jesus like, oh, I should just go out and like defend my faith or, you know, I should do this or I've got to persuade people that this is true. We see a man that walked filled with the Spirit, filled with peace, filled with compassion, and everywhere he went, he brought this ministry of freedom. He brought this ministry of healing, of love, of freedom. And I've come to realize something in evangelism, and it's this. After some years of chatting with many people on the streets that, that don't believe in God, I found this. And it's that almost everybody doesn't have a problem with Jesus, but almost everybody has a problem with God. Let me say that again. From, from talking to people on the streets that don't believe in God, pretty much no one has a problem with Jesus, but almost everyone has a problem with God. What does that tell us? It tells us that we need to give the world a better revelation of God. Come on, because we know that 
that Jesus was the walking, it was the will of God in the body. He was the nature of God in the body. He was the desire of God in the body. He only did what the Father wanted to do. Yet today, 2,000 years later, we've got a world very confused about who God is. And so I suggest that perhaps what we need is not necessarily a better defense of God. It's not even necessarily a better explanation of God, but it's a better demonstration of God. A demonstration of his heart, of his nature, of his character, of his will, exactly like Jesus did. Amen? Does anyone here not like the, look of Je- the life of Jesus? I'm pretty sure we're all here because we're, like, we're amazed by the things that he did. So I pray that we'd come away with a, a greater... Uh, provoking to see that today. Okay, I want to start by asking a question, and it's this. I want to ask, is there anyone in the room that, um, that just absolutely loves evangelism? That's just like every day, God, send people my way. All I want to do is just share the gospel, chasing people down on the streets like I want to share the gospel. Is there anyone in the room like that? Okay, so it's a good thing we got this message this morning, Amen. <laughs> Is there anyone in the room that's like, you know, you're just so convinced of God's desire to meet people that you're just chasing people down on the street to pray over them, to pray for healing, to prophesy over them? Anyone in the room doing that on your daily basis? Okay. Now I have a question for you. I want you to imagine for a moment. This is imagination. This is not real. But I want you to imagine that you knew 100% without a shadow of doubt, that every single time you shared with someone about Jesus, every time you opened your mouth, every time you prayed for them, there was only ever going to be one response, and it was this. is that in that moment, they would have some kind of tangible encounter with God, that they would just be like, how do I get saved? They would come running to church. Their entire lives would be transformed from that day on. And that was a 100% fact. Every time you prayed for healing, everyone was completely instantly healed. Every time you prophesied over someone, it was 100% accurate every single time. Every time you just shared, Jesus loves you, they're like, I want to know more. Put your hand up if you might enjoy sharing the gospel a bit more or praying for some people on the streets. Is there anyone? Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, why do I ask this? Because we've clarified one thing, and you've just made my job a lot easier this morning, so thank you. We've clarified one thing, and it's this, that the reason we're not currently doing it is not because we don't feel called to it. It's not because it's not our spiritual gifting. It's not because, well, I'm just a bit more introverted, and you know, I don't like to chat with people. The reason we're not doing it is because we're afraid it might not happen. Right? Are you following me? Is that fair to say? The reason why we're not chasing people down, the reason why we're not praying for people, the reason why we're not sharing is because what if it doesn't happen? And my question today would be, what if it does happen? What if it is worth it looking a little bit crazy for a few people so that the fourth person might have an encounter with God which transforms their life? What if it's worth it not always going right so that for the times it does, it brings such lasting transformation that our life has changed? So that's what I'm praying this morning that we would, that we would come away with. And when I talk about evangelism, I want to make something clear. When I talk about evangelism, what I'm not, I don't believe that Jesus, when he was on earth 2,000 years ago, and he pictured today, when Jesus was picturing today 2,000 years in the future, I don't think he was picturing 
that the Christians would be going out and having awkward conversations on the street, like really disliking it, like, ah, oh, we should do it, but we don't want to do it, like, ah, oh, you know, that kind of thing. I think Jesus was picturing a day where his body, his followers, would be filled with the Spirit of God that would continue the very same ministry that he started. Come on, that ministry of freedom, that ministry of healing, that ministry of reconciliation. I don't believe that Jesus pictured awkward conversations on the streets. So can we just pray that God would give us a greater revelation this morning? Because I don't know about you, but have you read the book of Acts? Anyone in here read the book of Acts? Anyone? (laughs) That may be one of the wildest books in the Bible. I don't know about you, but I read a book which is filled with first-hand testimonies of normal believers like you and me that were following Jesus, that were filled with the Spirit of God, and everywhere they went, they saw God move. Come on, the, the, the disciples in the book of Acts were not going out and having awkward conversations on the streets. The disciples in the book of Acts were continuing the ministry of Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, the ministry of the disciples looks exactly like the ministry of Jesus. Who, we know Paul, right? Paul was preaching one time, and he was preaching so long, maybe it was a little bit dull, that someone fell out of the window and they died. Okay, that's pretty wild. That's in your Bible. That's in the book of Acts. And Paul's response is to go down and to basically jump on them and raise them back to life. That's in your Bible. Come on, there, there, are, there are times there's Stephen. Who, who's heard of Stephen? Remember Stephen in the Bible? His job was to wait on the tables, right? He, he wasn't the evangelist. That wasn't his job. His job was to wait on the tables. And we read about Stephen. He would go into cities and multitudes would gather and the lame would be healed and that the oppressed would be set free and multitudes would come to Jesus. And Stephen was just a normal disciple of Jesus. Come on, am I, um, am I provoking something in anyone? I long to see that kind of Christianity. Does anyone long to see that in Glasgow? Anyone long to see not just awkward conversations but multitudes gathering? Peter got up and preached, and 3,000 came to Jesus in one day. That would be a cool outreach. I was like, let's go to the city center this afternoon, and we went to Glasgow, and one of you just got up and preached the gospel, and 3,000 responded and was like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. That would be a a good outreach, right? Come on, that was normal in the book of Acts. But um, for some of you, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, evangelism, this is like, you know, the topic I steer clear from. Let me tell you, you're, you're in good company uh, because they introduced me as YWAM Sam. I'm part of something called YWAM. And when I applied to do my DTS, which is the discipleship school, to give some context of YWAM, basically the whole point of YWAM is training people to preach the gospel in all the nations of the world. That's the context. When I applied to YWAM, I heard that there was this thing called local evangelism, where every week you've got to go out on the streets and share the gospel. And so I called them up and I said, the the discipleship school sounds amazing, I'd love to do it, but is there any way that I can not do the weekly evangelism? That was my question. And who knows, they very politely told me that's not really very possible and I had to come and do it. That's where I was at. I could not imagine anything more awkward than being on the streets of UK having conversations with people on the streets. And I would love to say that it changed in my school, but the truth is it didn't. I went my entire school without sharing the gospel. I went my entire school without praying for people on the streets. But something happened afterwards. And that was, as you can tell, they haven't invited me to speak about this because I'm still in that situation. Something changed. So that's the good news. Something shifted. And it shifted when 
I began to pursue God with my whole heart in the secret place. And what I mean by that is, is that place alone with God where I would just spend evenings and weekends and I'd be in his word and I would just be pursuing God. And God gave me revelation in this and he put a fire in my heart of God. I am, Sam, I am the same yesterday, today and forever. You have got an entire book of evidence of the way that I desire to pursue and encounter humanity and I want to do it through you. Come on, he, he put that burning on my heart of Sam. The book of Acts, it's not the exception, it's the example. Come on, because it's not the book glorifying some apostles, it's glorifying the Holy Spirit and what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to be in man. And he began to teach me about my identity. And see, here's the problem. I had believed a gospel that had saved me but had never transformed me. I believed a gospel that was going to give me a ticket to heaven one day but didn't make me a disciple. And you know, when Jesus came, he said that I have come to make disciples, not Christians, right? We can be a Christian and we can believe something that we're going to heaven one day and our life can look exactly the same on earth. But Jesus said, I've come to make disciples. And a disciple is someone that walks like the one they're following, that talks like the one they're following, that acts like the one that they're following. And we see Peter, this man, we all know Peter is the guy that denied Jesus three times, right? We love to talk about Peter denying Jesus three times. But you know, the same Peter is the Peter that on Pentecost preached the gospel and saw 3,000 saved in a day. Come on, something happened to Peter that took him from the coward to the bold man. And my prayer is I've seen God do it in my life where he took me from the guy that doesn't want to ever share the gospel to a guy that needs to share the gospel. And my prayer is that for Rehope West End and the Rehope churches and for you as individuals, that God would put such a fire in your heart where you won't have to think I'm supposed to do evangelism, where you'll think God desires to move through my life. Anyone with me? Anyone want that from the Lord? Come on, he will meet us where our hunger is at. There's some crazy scriptures in the Bible. It says this in 1 John. It says that if we say that we abide in him, we will walk just as he walked. I mean, that, that is a scripture with an invitation. Come on, if we say that we abide in Jesus, we will walk just as he walked. Jesus said that those that follow me will do the same works that I do. And anyone know it? Anyone know it? You can shout it out. Even greater works. Come on. That's the invitation of being a disciple of Jesus. That's the invitation of Christ-likeness. We all know that we are to grow and walk in Christ-likeness. But let me tell you this. Christ-likeness is not just being a nice Christian. Come on. Jesus' version of discipleship made people fishers of men. Jesus wants to grow us up in Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness is preaching the gospel. Christ-likeness is healing the sick. Christ-likeness is setting the captives free. Come on, did you know that the spirit that was placed inside of you was not just so that you'd feel good on the inside, but so that you would set the captives free? Come on, I believe it for Rehope Church. What happens in this place is so good that I'm jealous for the people outside of the building because they need to experience it. Come on, I believe that God is looking for people that would believe it. So I heard, shared a bit of my testimony that that wasn't my experience. But after my school, I, I began seeking God in the secret place. And as I said, he was pulling this, this fire on my heart. But more than that, a conviction. A conviction that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. A conviction that Jesus showed us God's heart. So the good news is that God hasn't changed, right? We know God hasn't changed. So the same way he moved through Jesus, he must 
desire to move through his body today. And anyway, it kind of came to a head at this time when I was in a refugee camp in France. And at this point, you know, I was still trying to learn and grow in this. And I had spent three days in minus degrees temperature in a refugee camp over Christmas. It was freezing cold. And we were chatting with Muslims every day. And we were not seeing any fruit. We were not seeing any interest in Jesus. And I'd signed up to be a missionary. And by the end of the three days, I was like, God, maybe I'm not called to be a missionary. This is like... I'm freezing cold. I'm not seeing any fruit to what we're doing, but I want to. And that day I had seen a guy walking with crutches, and part of me thought, maybe I should pray for this guy. And I'm reading about it in the book of Acts. God, maybe you do want to do it today. But I chickened out, right? We've all chickened out before. You're not going to blame me. I chickened out, okay? I didn't do it. Nothing happened. But that night I was saying, God, I want to go back to the camp tomorrow, but God, you, you must want to move. You must want to do something. We're not just going to spend a week being cold and not seeing anything happen. Like, surely, God. And I felt him remind me of that person and an encouragement to be bold. And so the next day, I walk into the camp, and who's the first person that I see? It's this guy with the crutches, right? And I would love to say in that moment, the Holy Spirit made me bold, and I was like, yes, this is an answer to what God was saying. I'm going to pray for this guy. But what I actually did is for a moment... I looked away and acted as if I hadn't seen him and was like, I'm going to carry on with my day. Come on, I'm not alone. Surely we've been there, right? I'm just going to pretend I haven't seen that. And I was reminded of what, what God had spoken to me. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to pray for this guy. So I spoke to him and I said, hey, I see you're on crutches. What's wrong? And he'd broken his ankle. And now by this point, I'd done some research. And by research, I mean I'd watched some YouTube videos. Anyone ever watched some YouTube videos? I didn't know whether they were real, whether they were fake, whether it was the power of God or whether it was something else. You know, I had no idea. I just knew that in the Bible, God says that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so I had to do some research somewhere. And so I'd done some research on some YouTube videos and they had said, you know, lay your hand and command the sickness to be healed. So I got down, I put my hand to the ankle and I said, pain go in Jesus' name. And then I asked him to check it because that's what they told you to do. You should get him to check it afterwards. And to my shock, I don't know whether I was more shocked or he was more shocked, but he began to move his ankle, and then, in front of me, he began to put weight on his ankle, and then he started walking around and handed his crutches to a friend, and I was like, what on earth is going on? And in a moment, his ankle was totally healed. Now, I had never seen a healing before in my life. This was not normal for me. I only got saved when I was 21, but I saw his ankle get totally healed, and you know what his response was? He said, he invited us into his heart, and he wanted to know everything about Jesus. Come on, this was in a Muslim camp. We're Christian missionaries. It's pretty dangerous to invite us into your heart, but he wanted to know everything about Jesus. Why? Because he'd experienced something real. We'd had so many conversations, but now something was real. The next day, the exact same thing happened again. The same, uh, another person, broken ankle, same ankle, got completely healed, wanted to know everything about Jesus. And that started me on a, on a bit of a journey of, my gosh, I'm not here today just to, to try and encourage of, yeah, we should do this. It's what we're called to do. I'm here to say, God, guys, God desires to move through your life. I have seen too much in the nations where God desires to move. He desires to bring freedom. He desires to bring deliverance. He desires to bring healing. He desires to bring transformation. And he's looking and saying, who are my disciples? Who is willing to go? Come on, who will believe a gospel that won't just get you a ticket to heaven, but will transform your life here on earth? 
For too long, we've identified with the Peter that denied Jesus three times. And I believe God's saying, who's going to identify with the Peter that preached the gospel and saw 3,000 saved in a day? Come on, that is the truth of your identity. The truth is, is that you have been born again into something new. You are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. We've just been singing about it. Come on, it can't, it can't remain just a song that we sing. The Holy Spirit is inside of us for a reason, because he desires to move. He desires to reach people with his love. I like to think of it like this when I talk about, you know, the authority that we've been given to walk as disciples of Jesus. I want you to imagine today after this service, I get arrested by a policeman. Who knows why? I get arrested by a policeman. And I turn around to the policeman and I say, how long have you been a policeman? And he says, six months. And I say, well, you've got no authority to arrest me. Who knows? That would be a ridiculous statement, right? Who knows? It doesn't matter if he's been a policeman for a day or 10 years. If he has the badge, he has authority. Why? Because he has the full backing of the police force behind him. Well, guys, let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian a day or 10 years. You have the full backing of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has commissioned you to go out into your neighborhoods, into your cities, into Glasgow, and be an ambassador for the kingdom of God to arrest illegal activity and say, because we're here, we can bring the kingdom. We can bring peace into this situation. We can bring healing into this situation. We can bring freedom into this situation. Come on, this is what God desires to do. He desires to do it for the people of Rehope. I remember one morning I was sitting with God and who's had those times where you're in your room with God and you experience his peace? Like you experience something and you're like, God, it just, I just feel peace right now. Well, I had one of those mornings and I like to describe it like feeling like a roast chicken in the middle of an oven marinating in some sweet juices of the presence of God. Okay, maybe that's weird for some of you guys. That's how it feels like for me sometimes. I'm just sitting there soaking it in. And that same day, I was out with my friend, and we are in a city in Germany, and we decided to share the gospel with some people. And we came to this girl who's 18 years old, and as I'm chatting with her, I notice she's got scars from her wrist all the way up to her shoulder. And she begins to tell us how she hasn't experienced an emotion in five years. She used to be depressed, now she's just numb. No joy, no sadness, just numb. Who knows, in that moment, something came over me of, I claim to know a God that gave me peace in my bedroom this morning. He has to be able to do something in this situation. Come on, guys. There is people with real darkness, real brokenness, real situations. And God wants to bring a conviction of our hearts of, God, if you can give me peace in my bedroom, you can do it right here, right now. So we pray with her. And my friend takes her by the hand and prays for her. She has her head bowed. And as she lifts her head, this girl that hasn't experienced emotion in five years has got tears streaming down her cheeks. And she says, I don't know what is going on right now, but I actually feel joy bubbling up inside of my heart. Come on, this is the Holy Spirit. The Christian ministry is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. We've just been singing about his peace that we carry. God wants to give us a boldness that we would learn to release that peace everywhere we go. That we wouldn't just experience it, but we would release it. Amen. Anyone with me? There's a, something that, a truth that God showed me, which I pray will be helpful for us this morning. And it's this. Sometimes we can hear this and we can think, well, you know, there is so much that's possible. Okay, you're speaking about, you know, we have authority and we can see God move. But let me just bring it down to the basics. And this is what I pray will encourage us to send us out in. And it's this, that the goal 
of it all is love, right? God is love. As soon as we step outside of love, we're misrepresenting him. And I believe God wants to make us such a people of love that our goal will not be, okay, God, I need to see something happen, otherwise it's a failure. Or God, unless this person responds to the gospel, it's a failure. I believe God wants to give us the ability to go out where our only goal is to love people like Jesus loves people. You know, God doesn't love people as we're sharing the gospel, and then if they turn us down, he stops loving them right? Come on, that sounds ridiculous, right? God's love is unconditional, and he wants us to be such a people of love where our goal would be, God, I just want to sow seeds of your love. So the Bible says this. It says that some sow, some water, but it's God that brings the increase. And I've just found something to be very true in my life, and it's this, that if we would be obedient to sow seeds of God's love, he is faithful to bring the increase, there was a time that I was in Poland, and we were training a church in evangelism, and we, we went out for evangelism, and we went to McDonald's. McDonald's is a good place to do some evangelism. Let, here's just a little side note. If you ever want to have a lifestyle of sharing the gospel, then it's got to be fun, right? It's got to be fun. Like, if it's the most burdensome, like, difficult thing for you to do, it's probably not going to become a lifestyle. So have fun. Have fun. Enjoy it. So this version of fun looked like going to McDonald's and getting a milkshake whilst we share the gospel. And as we're standing there, the girl that I'm with notices a guy at the back, and she says, my gosh, I know that guy. His, church, his family goes to our church, but he totally walked away from God a couple of years ago, and the family have never heard from him since. He just hardcore rebelled, and the, the kind of uh, something resonated with me of, oh, I want to share the gospel with this prodigal. You know, the pro- the, 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 the same as my story, and I wanted to share with him. So I decided I'm going to go and share the gospel with this guy. And now, here's a little tip for some of you guys. When I first used to hear about evangelism, I was told one rule. One rule. And that one rule was this. Don't look weird. Anyone heard that? Whatever you do, do not look weird. And I used to struggle for a long time because I was like, how do I, as a Brit, make small talk with someone without looking weird and somehow slip in like the blood of Jesus, the cross, the need for salvation, and all of that stuff? I'm like, it is not possible to do that and not look weird, right? Maybe you found a way, amen, that's good, but I just haven't. So I've done something very different. I've embraced looking weird. I'm like, God, The Bible says love does not seek its own. God, I'm able to look weird if it's going to transform someone's eternity. So I see this guy at the back of McDonald's, and he's sitting there with his girlfriend eating McDonald's. Like, how do you get in there and not look a bit weird? So I approached this guy, and I said, look, I know I'm a complete stranger. You're sitting here trying to enjoy your lunch, and I'm rudely interrupting you, but I'm here to tell you something really important. It's that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. He cares about you. And I begin to share some of my testimony. And nothing crazy happened. He didn't reject me. Nothing crazy. He spent a couple of minutes listening to me and just said, thank you very much. And that night, we were doing an event, and so I invited him to it. I said, please come tonight. And I was hoping that he would come tonight, that he'd hear something, right? That he would encounter God. And guess what? He didn't show up. So I was depressed. I backslid from God. I didn't go to church for six months. I was like, God, you told me to share the gospel, and now you haven't come through. What are you doing? Just kidding. Don't worry. Some sow, some water, but it's God that brings the increase. That was the prayer. God, bring increase in this man's life. 
Well, about three months later, I was at my YWAM base, and I was queuing up for dinner, and I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's my friend, and she says, you have to come and meet this, this girl. So she takes me over, and she says to the girl, tell him what you just told me. And she starts saying, well, you met, uh, she starts saying, like, I think you met a brother, my brother. And she starts saying, telling me about her brother that grew up in church and had walked away, and the family had lost contact with him, and all of this stuff. And she says, one day I got a phone call from my brother, and she was shocked. She hadn't heard from him in two years. She picked up the phone, and he said, I've just given my life to Jesus, and I got a few questions. And she's like, what's going on? And he told her everything, and these were his exact words. He said, about a week ago, some crazy guy in McDonald's came up to me and started sharing about Jesus. Come on, I was the crazy guy. Hallelujah. Let's be the crazy guy. Let's embrace it. Come on, a moment of obedience, of just looking a little bit wacky in McDonald's, interrupting someone's McDonald's, led to a week later. What had happened is a week later, for some reason, in his bedroom, he had called out to Jesus. He had an encounter with God in his room, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and started speaking in tongues. And that's why he had a few questions, because he was like, what on earth is going on right now? Come on, what could God do with a seed? Another, another one, very quickly. I was in Dresden in Germany with a friend of mine, and there was a bachelor party going on. And my friend's a little bit more bold than I am, and he saw a bachelor party of 15 Germans half drunk, and he was like, this is a great place to share the gospel. And so we approached these guys, and I'm like two steps behind him. And he's like, guys, guys, we want to tell you something. Jesus loves you all so much. And about 14 of them are like, all right, mate, thanks, and, and walk off. But this one guy starts listening, and we begin to share with him. And we spend the next 20, 30 minutes chatting with him. And my friend gets to pray for him. And then he starts crying, and he starts telling us how he used to be a youth pastor. He followed God, grew, grew up in the church, but had just walked away from God. And after about 30 minutes, right there and then, in the middle of a bachelor party on the streets of Germany, this young man resurrenders his heart to Jesus, says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live for him. Now, I was a little bit pessimistic. I was like, it was a bachelor party. He was half drunk. Does he even remember in the morning what happened? Like, that, that was my level of faith. Again, a few months later, I was at my YWAM base. Same thing, queuing up for dinner. Like, there is an anointing on queuing up for dinner at my YWAM base. And I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's this guy. And you know when you've met someone in one context and in a different context, and you're like, I do know you, but I don't know how I know you. He was like, we met in Dresden. This guy, Alex. What had happened is we met him. We never told him we were from YWAM. We never shared anything. And, you know, part of me was like, will he even remember the next day? Within a week, three different people shared with him about YWAM. And he had made this decision to quit his job and come and do this discipleship training school. Come on. To this day, that was a few years ago. He is still a missionary today. One moment in a bachelor party of a guy that's kind of half drunk of like, Jesus loves you has led to an entire life being changed. And so this is my encouragement, guys. I'm not talking about we need to quit our jobs and become evangelists. I'm talking about is there a way that we can have obedience to the Holy Spirit in our daily life where we can sow seeds, we can water seeds, and trust that God will bring the increase. Just yesterday, a few of us went out on outreach. One team met a lady that was brought to tears in the supermarket as she heard about how much Jesus loves her. In the middle of an aisle in Lidl, she encountered God's love. Another one, they, they met a guy that two days ago tried to commit suicide and now was receiving prayer. Come on, this is right here in the streets of Glasgow. People are lost, people are hurting, people are broken, and God wants to set you up with divine appointments if you'd be willing to go. 
He wants to align your path with people where it's a simple Jesus loves you and he can open the door. We met a, a guy, I can see where we met him from here, just there, a guy named Muhammad, who was a devout Muslim, who said that for the last eight years, he's had nerve damage throughout his body, and he's had 10 out of 10 pain for the last eight years. He takes the three strongest painkillers, and it doesn't even move the pain to a nine. Come on, who knows? God's heart is compassionate for people like that. Pain throughout his life. He said he doesn't sleep at night. Come on, do we have a response to that? Do we believe that God is powerful? I said, can I take your hand and pray for you? We prayed in a moment, 10 seconds. By the end of the prayer, all of the pain had totally left his body for the first time in eight years. Come on, this is what God desires to do, not in a distant nation here in Glasgow. I believe that what is happening in this church is incredible, but I believe God is jealous that the people outside would experience it. I believe that God wants to grow us up in Christ-likeness. He wants to grow us up in this. You know, in other areas, we know that God wants to teach us how to live holy. We know that God wants to grow us in our character. What would it look like if we got alone with God and we said, God, teach me to be a fisher of men. God, grow me up in this area. Disciple me in this area. In the same way Jesus discipled the 12, he still wants today to do it through his body today. Amen. Okay, if you would stand, I want to um, pray for us. If this has provoked something in you where you're like, God, I want my life, I want to be obedient. I want to be grown up in these areas. I just pray, would you just put out your hands? And I'm going to pray right now for a, a, a supernatural grace for God to come in and invite you into that. So, Father, I thank you for this room. God, we just acknowledge, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we acknowledge that your heart is longing for the people of Glasgow, God, that you desire to encounter them with your love and your freedom. And Holy Spirit, I pray that today there would be an invitation for every person in this room. God, not a, not a pressure, not a condemnation, God, but a joyful invitation that you would disciple us, God. You would disciple us to be obedient. God, that as we step out and sow a seeds, that we would see you bring the increase. And right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every person. God, that you would bring a conviction on our hearts. God, of what you have placed inside of us and the calling that we have, God, to sow seeds and see your kingdom, God. I thank you that you want to bring your kingdom through every person in this room. And I just pray, Jesus, for fresh encounters with you in your word, in the revelation, and everything you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.